Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. And today we are talking about the power of influence. This is the Jada Edwards podcast. Welcome to season five. As usual, we're going to get into the Bible and the word of God, but we're also going to talk about friendship and overall wellness, what it means to be in various seasons of life. Laugh a lot and grow together. I can't wait for you to see what's in store. Okay, y'all, so you know this word is like the buzzword in our culture right now, what it means to have influence or be an influencer. This idea mostly that kind of sprang up out of social media has become so important. It's like it's created job titles. It's created entire career paths. I mean, we celebrate, you know, when we hit our followership milestones and we study the algorithm. We're trying to dig up analytics and figure out should it be a reel? Should it be a post? Should I post multi-platform or should it be threads or should it be x it's just like there's so much going on and um i think social media probably was the birthplace of the latest craze uh, around influence but the truth is we all we all like it to a certain degree and a lot of times we kind of equate influence with some level of approval um or the ability to have a, a certain level of popularity but the truth is impact is about having an effect um, to impact the character or the development or behavior of someone or something that's real influence. So you, that's why you can see people who might have a lot of followership and may even have a lot of buzz around them, maybe even have a lot of, a lot of exposure, but not necessarily a lot of influence. And so that, that shows up, I think in a lot of different areas in our life. Um, but it is also creeping into the church. And so, you know, when I think about, what it means for us to be believers, what it means to be a part of a local church, to represent Christ. This influence thing, y'all, it can, it can mess you up. It it just can get everything really twisted. Um, If you just look at the increasing amount of exposure some local churches have received over the years, it's not brand new right now. Um, It's been around, but it seems to be increasing. And, And it seems, of course, that the media and people who have only negative things to say are going to highlight the most foolish offenders. And so we we are seeing some crazy things in our churches <laughs> where sometimes I'm like, this is just too much. We're doing too much um, to, in the name of trying to get a message out. Uh, or now we're in spaces where the the pastor really is the celebrity of the church. Uh, we got people who have celebrity status who, who don't lead a church, who aren't a part of a church. It, it's, it's just so many tentacles to this idea of influence. And in addition to all that, we have people now who their stream of income, the way that they're going to influence is by calling out other people. So they take well-known gospel artists or pastors or things going on in a church. And their whole goal is to set up some kind of social media channel so that you can keep tabs on all the craziness going on with everybody. Sometimes it's not even factual. A lot of times it's just speculation or it's just judgmental. Like I'm gonna show you this clip of what so-and-so did. And now I'm gonna tell you why I disagree. It's like, how is that even unifying? So that's not even a healthy kind of influence to have. There was a day, you know, in time where you didn't know somebody's craziness or their weaknesses or you didn't have access to their business if you didn't go to that church or if you didn't know that person personally. And so now we're in this space where in the name of influence, I think 
we are damaging relationships. We are certainly not presenting a solid a solid witness for who we are in Christ, for how God loves, for how God restores, for how God forgives, uh, for what community means and accountability. You know, it's not putting you on blast. That's not accountability. That's supposed to be a special space within a community. So that is gotten us twisted uh, to the point where I think it's affecting how we live for the Lord. It's affecting uh, how we show the world. Here's what God does in the midst of our human weakness, because all of us are a mess. Hey, it's just that our stuff hadn't been documented uh, or posted. So the influence thing gets really, really jacked up. And, it, and it's actually creating confusion for the world. A lot of the feedback I see um, as people are giving their commentary on some latest headline, something that's questionable or doesn't seem godly, like if it's a Christian worship artist or a church, it's non-Christians who are like, look at this mess. Look at this mess. And not that we do things to to please the world, but I think when our own behavior is raising flags because people are saying that that's not what y'all say y'all believe like this seems inconsistent, then we might need to ask ourselves, is this are we having um, giving the idea of influence too much attention? I call it the idolatry of influence. We idolize a lot of things in our culture, uh, marriage and money and appearance. But the idolatry of influence elevates it beyond inquiring of how God wants you to impact someone or something and making it solely about your brand and your image and making sure that that you are the center of the influence. Because as believers, even as we um, get different spheres of influence and God gives us different access to people, whether it's platforms or in the workspace or conversations or however he gives it, it's ultimately for him. But when you idolize influence, you have replaced him with yourself. And so the, all the influence is ultimately for you. This might even be an individual struggle. You might struggle with being the person that always needs credit or wants the mention or whatever the case may be. So you know, this struggle can come up in a lot of different, a lot of different areas of life. I've seen it seem to gain momentum happening more frequently in the church, or maybe it's just being exposed more frequently. So that's why it's kind of been on my heart. Cause I'm like, man, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing? And um, if we don't know how to do it in a healthy way, we either distort it and it just becomes a mess, a self-centered mess, or we totally disconnect from it. And then, you know, people have to be like, I'm about to be off social media for seven months. I'm about to fast for 40 days from social media. Then it's a whole big departure because we haven't found a way to incorporate it into our lives, whatever platforms God God is um, calling us to. We haven't found a healthy way to incorporate it. So it, it ends up being all or nothing, you know, something super unhealthy or something that we totally are removed from, which isn't good either, because God is calling us to be a voice. He's just not uh, call. He's not causing us, calling us to be our own voice, right? We are an echo of of what the Word of God says, and maybe even uniquely who God, what God is, what message God has given you. So anyway, I want to talk about five alarms that I think can help us to resist 
being being drawn into the ideology of influence. There's five alarms I want to talk about. Not not to mention that you have to remember your influence is given by God. I'm going to be going through the story of Aaron and the golden calf and how he interacted with the people. And the backdrop of all that is that Aaron wasn't even the one originally in charge. He was just in charge while his leader was away talking to God. And see, some of us are like, oh, just let me be in charge. Let me get a run at it. I know I could do it better. And you know what? God just might in his grace and in his sovereignty, let you be the leader. Let you let you be in charge for just a minute so you can realize that it's not your lane. It's OK. Everybody isn't meant to be uh, the, the top leader or the one that everybody else uh, falls under. It's OK. We all have different roles. But when you idolize influence, man, it'll have you doing stuff beyond what God has asked you to do. Um, and not in a healthy way. So our influence is from God intended to be used by God. So I want to talk to these five alarms. Now, I use the alarm analogy because I've had a few days, one recently, where you wake up and, you know, like either the sun is a little too bright or you feel a little too rested. It's <laughs> just like something is not right. I slept too much. And uh, you may wake up kind of chill. You might be the person that lays there for a minute and says, well, I'm already late <laughs> as well, you know. Take my time, take a bath instead of a shower and then go get some water burger, go get some Chick-fil-A or whatever. You might be that person. You might be the person that tries to stay calm and, and super zen and just say, it's okay. Everything happens for a reason. I'm going to get up and go about my day. Or you may be like me, who is like <laughs> level 10 panic. Sound the alarm. Everything is crazy. I'm hopping around with one foot, trying to put the other foot in my pajama pants. And I mean, it's, I'm yelling at everybody, get up, brush your teeth. Put on deodorant, all the things. Like, it's just chaos. And my dear husband standing to the side looking at me like, it's all right. We're going to be all right. We are not going to be all right because I feel the stress of waking up late. So I'm not sure which of those three you are super chill, somewhere in the middle or crazy like me. But in this instance, it's good to be a little crazy because that's going to make you diligent. That's going to make you vigilant. When you when that alarm sounds, this is these are alarms. You don't hit snooze on these. You don't say, oh, it's OK. No, no, no. I need us to be vigilant about this, this idolatry of influence that's creeping in to uh, our churches and who we are as people, the way we're approaching our careers, the way we're handling friends, the way we're thinking about school, the way we're thinking about so many things in life is about this brand. Who am I? What? How does this make me better? What launches me? Um, some of the most successful people on social media are actually people who are paid to teach other people how to be influencers. <laughs> so they're like, look at me. Look what I did in 30 days. And so it is not to knock that. I'm just saying, man, that is a. That's a ball that a snowball that just keeps rolling and keeps getting bigger. And it's very hard to check ourselves and, and change course because then, then then we end up withdrawing completely or not understanding how God wants us to handle influence in a healthy way. OK, so I want you to like I want these alarms to startle you. Ask the Holy Spirit, let these startle me. I don't want to hear snooze on these because these are things that help us to see that maybe we're idolizing influence, which is maybe approval or popularity, whatever the case may be. The first one as we're going through the story of Aaron and the golden calf is we lose the courage to call out complaining. The first alarm that we need to be careful of is we lose the courage to call out complaining. Now the scripture says the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, you know, get up, make us gods who shall go before us. Cause they were upset. Moses was on the mountain too long with the Lord. Heaven forbid your leader is gone too long, spending time with the Lord. So they were upset. They were like, Aaron, make us some gods. 
And um, they were like, we don't know where Moses is. We don't know what's become of him. Like he went into the mountain and disappeared. And that was really Aaron's first opportunity to not uh, acquiesce to the people, not be led by the people. He could have, he could listen. Uh, he could realign. He, he could still love them well, but he could have told them in this moment, listen, you know where Moses is. He's with the Lord. Moses is going to be back. This is the faithful leader that led us out of the land of Egypt by the hand of God. Like there was no kind of pushback. He literally immediately gets up and responds. It says, so Aaron tells them, take off the rings of gold that are in your ears. He tells them, take off their jewelry. He says, all the people took off their jewelry, bring them to me. And this man just on his own went and fashioned a golden calf. Like what's happening? And so the first alarm is when you struggle calling out complaining. You may say, that's just how my friend is, or that's just how this person is, or maybe that's not my place. But you need to be very prayerful about that because even if you're not thinking of yourself as a person who's trying to gain influence, if you are choosing like this false sense of harmony, just so you don't have to have a hard conversation, then you probably are elevating what that person thinks of you over what God may be asking you to do in the moment. Because as believers, we love well, we listen, but we don't allow negative complaining to go on and on and on because that doesn't represent uh, that doesn't represent Christ. And especially complaining about a leader, especially complaining about an authority that God has given us, especially complaining about their how long they're gone with the Lord. Like it's just so, so much was wrong with this. But you might find that in other areas of your life, you like to be the one that has all the information. You want to be the one that everybody comes and talks to. And you might be a great counselor or a listening ear, but if you're not guiding, if you're not then helping to redirect, I get it. Not every time. Sometimes we just need to listen and be like, yeah, I feel you. I get it. But I'm saying in general, as a pattern, if you're not guiding, redirecting, realigning, you're just kind of becoming the a bin, a trash bin for people to dump, 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 complain, complain, complain. You are hosting all kinds of unhealthy uh, behavior and your inability or refusal to call out the complaining might be a sign that you're choosing self over how God wants you to respond in the moment. That's the first alarm when it comes to resisting the idolatry of influence. Don't be afraid of being canceled, basically. Second alarm, our character starts to become inconsistent. So yes, we want to be flexible and be all things to all men, as Paul said, but you want to be flexibility in your personality and in your style and in your methods, maybe even your thinking, but not in your character, your character, your values. That's the thing that should always be true. That should, that should be the thing that's unmovable. And so your character, that's the, the integrity that you maintain, the choices that you make. Your character is not your connections. It's not who you know. It's not what church you go to. This person is my mentor. This person was my brother. Doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter your credentials. Aaron had literally been with Moses day one from the time Moses first had to address the people and tell them we're about to get y'all out of Egypt. Aaron was there. He was the mouthpiece because Moses was tripping, talking about he was too scared and couldn't do it even after signs. Aaron was the mouth that God used. And he says that explicitly um, in Genesis chapter four and I mean, Exodus chapter four. So Aaron was there. Aaron was there at the onset of every plague. Aaron was there when the Red Sea was crossed. I mean, this is not new. So his character, the consistency of his character 
didn't matter. His credentials didn't matter when it came to that. In that moment, when you have a choice to honor God or to yield to people because you're afraid or you want the approval or you want the popularity for whatever reason, you're choosing those people, you're choosing that thing, that opportunity. Now you're the man, now you're the woman, you're the one in charge. You're choosing that opportunity over honoring the Lord. That that inconsistency in your character will not be built up because of who you are and who you know and what you've done. It won't matter. That is a standalone choice that you have to make in the moment. The second alarm is our character starts to become inconsistent, meaning I'm one way in this environment with these people. I'm another way in another environment. I mean, I got this outfit in my closet, but I wouldn't wear it here, but I would wear it here. Yeah, we. I'm not talking about dress code and, and, and things like that. I'm talking about having a whole nother persona, knowing there's things that you would say yes to, depending on who's, who's looking and and who's around. Like those are the things where we have to ask ourselves, why is my character that inconsistent? What, what's behind that, you know? And every now and then, of course, there's reasons, there's things you might not say in front of a child or things you might not say to people you don't know very well. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about values when our values begin to shift. Okay. So that is important because Aaron didn't debate. He didn't question nothing. He actually facilitated it. This is a problem because if you, if you read the story of the story of the golden calf, the way Moses responds when the Lord tells on Aaron, because the Lord told on him, the Lord told it. Sometimes you wondering how folks know, because the Lord told it. They didn't have a spy. <laughs> the Lord came and told Moses, go get your friend. Look what they're doing down there. So Moses's response when he heard from the Lord what was happening, that's the response of a person who's like, this is absolutely not pleasing to God. His response was anger. It was passion. And we not we, we don't have to destroy stuff. I'm not saying you got to break tablets like he broke the stone table. You don't have to destroy property. I'm just saying that level of passion is the response of a person who understands when God is not being honored, how severe of an offense that is versus Aaron who was super chill about it and was like let me just help the people do whatever it is they want so that may be a place to check yourself um is my character consistent uh do I like to be am I am I too quiet am I not speaking up in my workplace um maybe maybe I don't talk about faith in the workplace and you got to ask the Lord how do I do this in my workplace how do I do this with my friends how do I do it when it's difficult um because we don't want popularity to, to, to facilitate passivity, right? You, you don't want the fact that you just don't like to have conflict. You want everybody to like you and you want to be chill and you don't know how to do it. and It's uncomfortable. You don't know how it might work out. You don't want any of that to then make you passive and not be a peacemaker or not be one that pursues, um, holiness, righteousness, accountability, whatever God might be uh, leaning, uh, what might, how, however he might be leading you in that moment. So here's the, that was the, that was the second one. The third one is you stop taking the sacred seriously. Ooh, okay. You stop taking the sacred seriously. Aaron told them, listen, tomorrow we shall make a feast to the Lord. And the word Lord is, is the name Jehovah. It's Yahweh. It's how the Lord had revealed himself to Moses. So it's not even like Aaron was delusional. He just was practicing what we call syncretism, which is the mixing of true religion and fusing it with different systems of belief. Not, not even true religion but fusing different systems of belief together. So I'm going to do horoscopes and read my Bible, or I'm going to, you know, burn sage and pray that the Lord 
cleanse or, or whatever the case may be. So that's what Aaron was doing. He's like, I'm going to take this idol that we made with our hands and then have a feast to the one true God that this idol actually is replacing. That That is when your desire to either be popular or to have influence or to your distortion of how well how well you're honoring God in the situation is heavy when you are thinking I'm going to take this idol and then offer it up to the Lord the intention of the idol was to replace God and so it just is such a distortion of thinking when you stop taking the sacred seriously and you know it happens sometimes because in our churches we do it here at our church one community we will use props and sometimes there's even been music plays it could be a couple's event or something that's not a christian song it's it's an old school song or something like that so there's going to be times where you may have a comfort level with something that is not overtly christian as long as it's not uh blasphemous or or disrespecting something sacred or clearly unbiblical. So there, there's going to be times. I, I know that. I mean, and Christians listen to secular music and Christians do things that are not overtly Christian, overtly gospel centered. And that's, that is kind of up to a person's conviction. However, listening to a song that is not Christian is different than listening to something that's anti-Christian. So when you don't take the sacred seriously, it's not just those quote unquote gray area of songs or music or arts or activities or whatever it is where you have to grow in your conviction I'm talking about things that make fun of mock the name of Jesus the the gospel of God the you know like it's just a thing and and our culture is becoming very comfortable with it you watch award shows if you watch award shows that the level of mockery uh that that Christians are enduring, that the name of Jesus is enduring. There's a boldness. They don't care. They don't talk about Allah like that. Nobody talks about Muhammad like that. But the way this world feels comfortable mocking Christianity is a sign. When Christians also become too comfortable with what we're allowing in sacred spaces or how we address a sacred God, then we have to th- we have to sound the alarm. Say that's an alarm. I'm not taking the sacred seriously. I'm trying to mix in uh, what I know about God and Jesus in the Bible with what what I believe about my ancestors or or my my heritage, the values from my heritage and crystals and sage and all these other things and cards and whatever the case may be. You know, it's like you want the Holy Spirit's guidance and you want to manifest. That's not how it goes. Either you're depending on God to do what only God can do. Um, and you, you partner with God, but not manifestation. We don't bring something out of nothing. Only the self-sufficient God does that. But we start to get so comfortable with the language and our culture. We don't realize that we're practicing syncretism. We don't realize that we've stopped, stopped taking the sacred things as seriously as they should be. And that may be because we love influence. We want to stay in the mainstream, stay in the flow, use, use the verbiage, use the words that everybody's using, be cool, not be the troublemaker. So that's an alarm. You got to check your heart on that. The fourth alarm is our insecurity begins to impact our sense of responsibility. Like because we got our own stuff, we give ourselves passes. Now, I know Aaron was insecure because in Numbers chapter 12, he kind of raises the question to his sister Miriam. And they got in trouble for that, too. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? See, he wasn't he really wasn't okay being number two for that long. But listen, number twos change the world. Number threes change the world. Number twelves change the world. It doesn't matter. There's not rank at the foot of the cross, but there's always position and order. There's always roles assigned. And so I 
you know, if you're not satisfied with that or you're insecure, it will give you excuse to be irresponsible. Our security, our insecurity begins to impact our responsibility. Moses asked Aaron <laughs> later in chapter three, and he says, um, what did this people do to you that you brought such a great sin upon them? Because Moses as a leader, a shepherd, a covering is really like, you must not love these people. That's like giving your kid candy every single day because they asked for it. You cannot love that kid. You must think that love means always doing what that kid wants. No, love means doing what they need. And so Moses was like, what in the world? And Aaron's response, y'all, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know, people, they are set on evil. So this is the leader. He's saying, I'm taking no responsibility. The people were set on evil. That's how you know that Aaron was idolizing influence, that Aaron wanted to be the one in charge, the one that was like the political win, right? Because his own insecurity, which showed up clearly later on in Numbers 12, but it, it made him give an excuse for his lack of responsibility. Instead of saying, here's what I did, because the people didn't say, uh, melt down our jewelry and make us a calf. They just said, we make we want gods, Right. And instead of redirecting or aligning or really leading, he facilitated what they wanted. But then when it came time to report, he says, you know, the people for their set on evil. Y'all, my goodness, that is a sign that you are you are fearful of telling people no. Fearful of um, doing the responsible thing, especially when you had the power, you were in charge, dude. But it happens, y'all. We get scared about something and we don't want to get caught and we don't want to um, expose the role that we played in it. And that leads to the fifth alarm that we have to be um, aware of, that we stop telling the whole story. That's the fifth alarm. If you're starting to idolize influence or be very concerned about your image, you're most concerned about what people think of you, we stop telling the whole story. Um, that that showed up in verse 24, actually. It says, let anyone who were uh, Aaron said to Moses as he's retelling the story. He says, I told them that anyone who has gold, take it off. They gave it to me. <laughs> this is almost funny. The Bible is funny sometimes. And he says, I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> Sir, that is not what happened. You collected their jewelry. You melted it down. Earlier in the chapter, it says it took, he took a tool. He took a tool, fashioned it, put his energy, his creativity, his thought into creating this idol for them. And then when he goes back to tell the story, he's like, oh, I just stumbled all this jewelry, stumbled on all this jewelry, and then it fell into the, you know, I threw it in the fire and out popped a calf. Like, that's not even for real. I hope Moses rolled his eyes at him, but we, we won't know. Maybe we'll know in heaven. But that's ridiculous. But when, but what happens is when you, you want to look good all the time and maintain influence, not get canceled, not, not have any consequences, then you don't tell the whole story. And how much, how many times do we understand that it's, we truly is the truth that sets us free. It's our story, even in our failures and our weaknesses, it's how we grow. But when I love influence, when I love my status, when I love how people view me, I avoid accountability. I want to avoid accountability. So to do that, I give fractions of the story instead of the full story. You know, I go to my kids all the time in my illustrations because I think of how many times I ask them to do something and they say, yeah, I did it. I asked my son, well, did you brush your teeth? Kind of. I don't understand what that means. How do you kind of brush your teeth? You know, like you either brush your teeth or you didn't brush your teeth. And he's trying to say, well, I was about to like, or I, I just, 
I, I was about to. So they're always trying to answer in a way that takes away the fact that they're responsible for what I just asked them to do and doesn't make them look that bad. We all do it. But as we get older, we need to sound the alarm when we see that happening, when we know we're deliberately holding back parts of the story that's not going to make us look so great. When we stop telling the whole story, that's the fifth alarm. When we're trying to avoid accountability. You need safe spaces where you can tell the whole truth. Even if you're not vulnerable with every single detail of your life, every time, you certainly shouldn't be lying about it. And so um, that means you might be valuing what people think of you or an image or influence over than the instruction of over the instruction of the Lord. So um, five quick alarms when you're thinking about what it means to resist the idolatry of influence, whether it's at a culture level, organization, individually, in your personal relationships with conflict. However, um, here's the alarms. We forget. I'm sorry. We lose the courage to call out complaining. That's the first one. The second one, our character becomes inconsistent. The third one, we stop taking the sacred seriously. And the fourth one, our insecurity begins to impact our responsibility. And number five, we stop telling the whole story. So Yes, whatever territory God has given you, whatever platforms he gives you, whatever increase he gives you, it is wonderful. It's amazing, but it is always for his glory. When the influence becomes the driver, as opposed to just the tool that God has given you, then we're heading into dangerous water. So you feel those things creeping up? Sound the alarm, y'all. Sound the alarm. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure to leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.